you know, bottom line, Newman walking out in the middle of fall camp just just killed these guys, especially when you add to the fact that uh, they discovered that um, Daniels wasn't physically ready to play. So, I mean, you, you go from having all, all these good things lined up to basically having it all stripped away from you. Uh, that's, that's tough. Hello, everyone. This is Tony Waller, and you are listening to episode 254 of the Wait Until Last Saturday podcast. Today, I'm joined by Mike Brockstein. You know him as Central Blutarski of the Get the Picture blog. With Georgia, Missouri canceled, I decided to take the opportunity to talk with Mike as Scott and Will and I decided to take a pass on broadcasting this week since, you know, two-thirds of the games in the SEC were canceled. I thought this would be a good time to talk about Georgia quarterback play and also a view of where Kirby Smart is at this point in his career. I figured Mike was a great person to talk to because he's a lot smarter than me. I want to thank Bottle Shop Athens and SB2 Hospitality for their sponsorship. Thank you for joining and hope you enjoy. Okay, I am joined today by Michael Brockstein, Soto Butarski of Get the Picture. Michael, I appreciate you taking the time. My pleasure, sir. Good to see you as always. As always. Um, not to bring up painful memories, but you had the opportunity to go to the Georgia-Florida game. Um, just for those of us that couldn't go, how weird was the scene? Well, it was it was weird from the get go. I mean, first off, we got a, a parking spot that was much closer to the stadium than I've ever enjoyed in the 40 years of going to Jacksonville. Uh, and uh, it was a fairly empty parking lot. And probably the weirdest thing, Tony, I will tell you is that place is a nightmare just to get in. I, I still have memories of the 1997 game where I literally missed Georgia's first scoring drive because uh, they had the gate so screwed up, it, it took that long to get inside. And it's always like that. This time, I literally walked up and walked straight in, and that was, that was just totally bizarre. Um, inside the stadium, it was about like what you, you know, have experienced in Athens this year. You know, the crowd spread out, um, but there was, there was certainly crowd noise and, and the rest of it. So it was weirder outside than it was inside. It's funny from TV. It sounded like they were doing something different with the. Um, they were doing something different with the crowd noise than than what we saw at Stanford. At Stanford, or actually, what I've seen in other games, it just felt. It felt like more constant as opposed to going with the ebb and the flow of the game. I thought that was true too. The stadium. Yeah, I thought that was true too. You could you could you could tell that there was like a a constant kind of tide sound in the background that went all the way through the other weird thing was technically georgia was the uh the home team but they were playing music and stuff basically right up until the when Georgia was on offense they were playing music right up until the snap they were doing it for both teams so they were treating it like a neutral event as opposed to georgia being you know the home team what that's worth well that'll feed into the we shouldn't be playing in jacksonville crowd um <laughs> yeah so all right. One of the reasons I want to talk to you is you've had some really interesting posts the past few days or past couple of weeks. Um, kind, of, kind of the layout, the thesis here is, uh, I don't know if you knew this, but I, I, Stetson Bennett is from my hometown. I mean, I know his ah. people. Um, I, that doesn't mean I'm slowly beholden to the altar of the million. I think he's an awesome football player. It's an awesome story. He clearly is not getting it done. Um, I, 
I would be curious kind of a, as a, as a premise statement to know what you think happened and how, how we went from not necessarily how we went from him um, starting to the day. It's just how, how we got to the point of where our first option was putatively the number four guy off the bench when things didn't go well at Arkansas. Well, I think the coaches have known all along what they've got with Stetson, the good, the bad, the indifferent, all of it. And, and so, you know, all the chatter we heard in the preseason about how he wanted more reps and whatever, and Munkin and Kirby basically told him, you don't need more reps. I think the reason they were saying that was because they were very well aware of what they had. And I, I think, I mean, it's hard not to like Stetson. It's a great story. He's a, he's a great kid. Um, but I mean, we've watched enough of the season at this point. It's pretty obvious where his shortcomings are. And um, I mean, you can certainly see why all the interceptions he threw in that one season he started in junior college. Um, So I I don't think he was, uh, obviously he wasn't their first choice when Newman was still around. And I think uh, once Newman left, it was it was scramble mode because I think at about the same time it dawned on them that Daniels wasn't physically ready either, and that left them with hoping that Mathis's upside would be enough to uh, carry the day. You know, honestly, what I think I'm going to get back to is I think Kirby thought that he had enough that he had just enough. Uh, in the tank from last season, the way the second half went, to think that he could massage things, as massage things this season until Daniels was physically ready to get in and play. Do you think the, um, or I obviously you have to think this, but uh, the changing of the schedule kind of messed that up. Uh, obviously, we're past the point when we're past the point where you know, we're past the point where we played Florida anyway, and certainly Alabama, but, you know, having to face Alabama much more quickly out of the gate, you think that changed the math a little bit? No, I mean, you know, the, the thing about it is, it, it, I think, I think what Alabama exposed is something that we, we, you know, it's painfully obvious at this point, Georgia can't run the kind of offense it's been used to running, which is basically, an offense designed to kind of protect the defense. You can't run it against some of these um, uh, offensive schemes that are so prolific now. Uh, and particularly, you know, with, with Stetson's limitations, um, there's, there's no way Georgia can keep up with a prolific offense now. And it kind of, it's kind of a negative feedback thing in that, you know, Stetson wants to be a hero. I mean, I don't know any other way to put it. He's willing to, to push things and, and take risks. And I think it comes out even more as you kind of watch the, the flow of the game go against Georgia. Oh, I think that's an excellent observation. I mean, I don't think there's any doubt that it felt like we were trying to, I mean, the old adage is you can't score all seven runs of one swing. And it felt like we were, we, if it did feel like at times that Stetson was trying to score two touchdowns by himself at times. Well, and, and that's what's so frustrating. I mean, and not just me. I mean, it's, I think anybody watching the offense go, he's passing up these very obvious, um, easy completions. I mean, Monk, Munkin's play design this year has just been a, a complete pleasure to watch. And there are guys constantly open. And especially when these games start running away from us, 
Stetson is looking to basically get the home run ball done. And, even you know, sometimes you, you take the shorter thing and keep the drive alive and move it down the field and, and get where you need to go that way. And he just seems to have a little, little resistance to that concept. Like I said, when the flow of the game starting to get away. Yeah, I definitely want to come back to Monk in, uh, in a minute because I, I agree with you. I, I think, I think we could play, question some of the play calling against Florida, um, but it may be Alabama too. But I, I, I certainly think that anyone that has watched has really paid attention to Georgia and still thinks that Kirby isn't willing to change and hasn't changed, at least as far as willing to take chances down the field or just not paying attention. And um, yep. so, uh, you know, kind of kind of picking at the the corners of that though. You know, one of the things you said is you're talking about Daniels not being ready. Um, one of the things I think is really feeding into the narrative is um, there are a lot of people that want to tie the from fields thing into the current quarterback situation, um, which, you know, some of those people have, have to sell newspapers or have to have clicks to, to get interesting to, they have to be hot take artists, but um Kind of where do you fall on that? Do you think there is a – do you think Kirby has a problem managing quarterbacks? No. I mean, the you know, bottom line here is I, I, all these people that are talking about Kirby made a mistake with Fromm and Fields, I would have, I'd love to see some public statement regarding that back in 2018 that, that you know, somebody seriously suggested that Fromm should have been benched during the year and Fields should have played. I don't know anybody that said anything like that. And, and so to me – you know, hindsight's wonderful, but it it's not credible. Uh, I mean, you know, bottom line, uh, I, I posted about it today. Uh, Fromm left. Kirby had um, Newman lined up a week later, and he had um, Munkin in the door a couple of days after that. He obviously – and I got this impression after the SEC championship game. He, he knew that he had to change some things. You know, LSU just showed him there was no way he could keep running the same kind of offense that he had under Cheney and, and, and Coley and, and keep up. So he knew and, and he made moves. You know, the fact of the matter is I downplayed the importance of spring practice year, this year, and that was my mistake. It was obviously something this team needed. But, you know, bottom line, Newman walking out in the middle of fall camp just, just killed these guys, especially when you add to the fact that uh, they discovered that um, – Daniels wasn't physically ready to play. So, I mean, you, you go from having all, all these good things lined up to basically having it all stripped away from you. Uh, that's, that's tough. Yeah. You know, it's interesting to me. A lot of people are forgetting the role of, I mean, I, and I'm not saying we had the choice between Newman and Derek King, um, but it sure felt like that. And you've got one of the two of them. And those were probably the two best quarterbacks, certainly the two quarterbacks that you would point at and say, okay, that's um, this is more in the direction that, that you'd like to see a team like Georgia go if they want to take that next step. It just feels like to me, a lot of people are taking the, Oh yeah, everybody's dealing with COVID, but then are also saying that, you know, Georgia should have been better. Georgia should have had yet another option on the table. And it's, it just feels disingenuous to me. Uh, and, and I understand why people say that, but it's just, it feels disingenuous to me. You know, and, and you know, I, skip the, skip the 2018 hindsight. I don't know the single person that was 
expressing dismay after they signed Daniels. I mean, look at what Kirby had in the quarterback room at that point in time. I mean, he, he had it set up beautifully, and I mean, it all just got away from him. Uh, you know, he had no he had no control over Newman deciding to opt out. Yeah, and look, the interesting thing about it is how Kirby handled Newman opting out. I thought was really good. I mean, he said the right things. He, he I mean, we've seen some other coaches make some really not sure. smart comments about their players opting out um, or take some very not smart actions about their players opting out. And the fact that you're the quarterback, the, I mean, at some point you had to know what he was losing there. Right. Yep. Um, even, even without spring practice. Um, so yeah, I, I, just to get to the Munkin thing for a second, how how excited are you about Munkin? I, I've been extremely impressed with what I've seen out of him in terms of play design, in terms of knowing how to uh, attack a defense. I mean, he's everything I, I expected looking at, you know, his, his body of work. Um, I, I do think there's been more of a transition, mainly because this is, it's, a, it's a bigger change on offense. And, and I guess you have to, as you say all this, you also have to factor in the fact that um, – uh, Luke is a different kind of offensive, I mean, sorry, line coach uh, from a scheme uh, standpoint than Pittman was. And so I think there's been some adjustment uh, with regard to that as well. So there's, there, there were a lot of moving parts. And to be fair, there were a lot of people saying, hey, George is probably going to have a, a not as smooth a transition as everybody expects be because of all that. Uh, and I think, uh, I think it's pretty much played out that way. Um, but uh I'm very happy with Monk, and I'll be very curious to see how the, assuming they get the rest of the year in, I'll be curious to see, you know, where they go with it. I mean, as far as I'm concerned, uh, it's an, it's an ideal time to figure out who can play the quarterback position and, you know, just keep working on trying to get guys more comfortable with what, what the scheme calls for. Yeah. It's interesting. I was thinking about that um, earlier today, just exactly what, I mean, you are famously against a throwaway, the concept of a throwaway season. Uh, but you also have to look at the rest of the season as an opportunity to get reps for guys and kind of take away what well, you like to think that you can, you can win the rest of your games, regardless of who you have at quarterback, but you also want to, you, you look at the remaining schedule there, there isn't a team that, I mean, even with the, the hiccups, everybody left on the schedule, Georgia should be able to beat. And and I'm not saying – I'm not advocating it should be a throwaway season. I mean, number one, technically speaking, and don't laugh, I mean, Georgia hasn't been mathematically eliminated from the SEC championship game. So, right. There, I'm still a possibility Florida doesn't get enough games in to be qualified. Right. You, so you, you still got to – you still got to play it out. But I think you have – I think the reason I say that you have a chance to, to um, see what you've got is because the, the teams you're going to be facing – going forward, don't pose the same offensive threat that Florida and Alabama did. So, uh, you know, Kirby's ability to keep the score in line while the offense gets their act together uh, seems, you know, like a plausible uh, uh, course of action from here. Yeah, you know, just sitting here thinking about that very thing, um, what pops in my head is don't, 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 don't play, don't play man against Mississippi State. And uh, how, how do you go from Dave Aranda to Bo Pelini? Let's put aside the fact that Bo Pelini <laughs> at one point, how, just how do you do that? Ed's, I, I tell you, Orgeron just fascinates me. It's like, it's, 
it, it's like it's all or nothing with him. Either he just he lands the, this brilliant offensive coordinator and you know sticks with Aranda and it all goes beautifully, and then five minutes later, he's got Bo Pelini. It's just bizarre. It's just it's just bizarre. By the way, you know, on the on the thing with Kirby playing man, you know, I get that it's not totally a fair. Um, way to describe what they're doing because you know he's a Saban disciple and they do a lot of pattern matching which is kind of a hybrid zone man deal anyway um and in fact like I said the clip I'm going to put up tomorrow uh, they were sort of playing they were sort of playing zone with Florida uh, in a way on this play and, and just got totally confused Mullen basically watched the Alabama game very carefully and stole a couple of uh, things that Sarkeesian ran with big success. Bigger and, success. And used them. And yeah. I guess what really disturbs me about the Florida game, well, number one, the, the quarterback play, but number two, I, I just thought that um, Lanning and Smart got outcoached. And, I, I mean, it, it was shocking to watch, but, I, you know, the adjustments weren't there. Uh, I thought that there were a number of times when the defense looked uh, a little bit confused or got caught off guard. Um, so, I mean, Kirby's got some soul searching to do on both sides of the ball. Yeah, I wonder how much having uh, LeCount and then seeing go out uh, played into that, especially on the wheel routes. Um, a little saw- bit, but I thought, I thought they really abused the linebackers on the wheel routes more than anything. And, you know, p- part of it is um, – um, you know, gosh, I can't even talk now. Um, Nakobe really got burned looking in the backfield more than he should have been, and he was he was a step behind on on one of the wheel wheel routes. Um, he got burned on, uh, but they they also, I mean, they were also aware of who was uh, not one hundred percent physically um, there, and they 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 burned those guys too on. Uh, in terms of just outrunning them. So they, they scouted Georgia really well is what it boils down to. And, and um, I, I'm just surprised it's rare that I see a Georgia team uh, under smart that flat footed on defense. Yeah. Especially against Mullen. And yeah, I mean, you got to give Mullen credit. I mean, it was probably the best, it's easily the best coach Georgia game he's coached. Um, yep. and I'm counting 16. Um, yep. And it might be the best coached Florida game he's had. Um, it's just as far as matching up and making, a defensive unit that should match up pretty well with them uh, on a you know player for player basis look like they don't belong in the field with them at times. The second half was a whole different thing. Uh, it was a lot of the second half was a different thing, but um, you know, particularly, I think yeah, I'd, I'd forgotten about all the times the Kobe team was running, trying to run a running back down from behind uh, getting sucked inside with a, either and he's a- actually, yeah, he's actually got enough speed to do that. The problem was he was losing a step either because he he uh, took a feint because of mm-hmm. – I mean, they ran a lot of motion. Uh, they also ran pick plays really well. I mean, they just – Extraordinarily well. <laughs> yeah. They, they, hey, it, it doesn't get called. That's how my, it's my attitude on, on holding. If they're not calling it, do whatever you got to do. And then, I mean, Florida just used that stuff really well. They, they had a very easy time getting guys open, way, way too easy. And um, you know, the other part of this, I think, bottom line is the, the reason – Mullen did so well is Mullen just doesn't care about running the ball right now. He's got, he's got a really good quarterback who's accurate and he's got a, a good receiving game. And the bottom line is he was, he finally realized, 
you know, Georgia, Georgia's weaker defending the pass than it is defending the run. So quit, you know, beating up against the wall, take what the other guy's given you and exploit it. And that's exactly what he did. Yeah. I don't think there's any doubt about that. Um, just a quick transition since we're talking about getting out coached, there is um, chatter around and, and some of us coming from honest places and some of it comes from not honest places comparing Kirby Smart and Jim Harbaugh. And one of the things that's hard for me to do is like Harbaugh hadn't beat his biggest rival, right? And I guess if you're going to say Alabama's Georgia's biggest rival, fine, we can do that. Uh, but I think there's some clear differences. How do you feel about even, or even the comparisons with Smart and Rick at this point in their careers? How do you feel about that sort of narrative? Well, the latter one, I, I don't get the point to comparing um, Rick's first five with Kirby's first five because that's not really the relevant period. What you should be comparing is the back end of Rick's career, which led him to be dismissed with the front end of, of what Kirby's doing. Uh, so, I mean, you know, the rest of it, I mean, the, the problem with comparing Smart's first five years and Rick's first five years is, you know, the conference was different. The, uh, the opponents were, were um, different. It's, it's just a little bit harder to, to sit there and, and, and do that, in my opinion. And listen, bottom line, Rick's a good coach. It's not like, you know, it's not like he's, uh, you know, a, a mediocrity, especially in the first five years. Um, bottom line to me is, I, you know, I, I don't find that stuff that convincing. Harbaugh is an interesting one. I haven't really had that thrown at me at the blog, you know, very much. Um, Harbaugh is a, a strange cat to some extent. Um, uh, and I can see, I can see some superficial comparisons there. I mean, but the fact of the matter is Harbaugh hasn't gotten a team into the playoffs. So, uh, you know, how far do you want to push something like that? Um, Harbaugh isn't as good a recruiter as smart is. Uh, and, um, I, you know, he made his bones running a very physical um, type of, uh, of, of offense uh, that's also, uh, you know, out of whack now. Um, so I, I'm sure that's probably where a lot of the, uh, the comparisons are coming from. Uh, you know, it's, I guess I'd say it's an interesting comparison. I just don't know that I find it that convincing. Yeah. I think I agree with you. I, 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 I again, some of it is, you know, it's kind of the, the nature of the hot, hot take. Um, you, you have to, you have to be able to put an immediate narrative on something on people, on things, Yep. Um, because you you're not allowed to take the bigger view. I mean, like if you were to ask a typical Michigan fan, a typical Georgia fan, um, how happy you are with your coach overall, I think the Georgia fan would say they're much happier, um, and also have a a reasonable vision of future success. Whereas with it's hard to see with Michigan, right? It just yep. you're you're in a you're in a division. I mean, it would almost be like. Georgia was in the nineties um, under whatever the best years or maybe the better is, you know, the early aughts. Uh, it's just, it's just, it's just hard. It's, it feels like Ohio state is that much better than everyone else in the big 10 and certainly Michigan. Uh, and it's, yeah, I know Florida won this year, but I can't, you can't say that trajectory wise that Florida is on such a different trajectory than Georgia. And I think if you're going to be reasonable about it, um, if Georgia figures out the quarterback situation and if it's carrying a lot of weight in that sentence, 
But if Georgia figures out the quarterback situation, I don't know the Georgia Florida game doesn't doesn't look different. And maybe Georgia well, Alabama. I mean, I, I, bottom line, a competent quarterback that that Florida game is a shootout because yeah. because Grantham's defense was garbage. I mean, you know, I I, I know Georgia looked. Uh, the, the final numbers don't look good, but that's not because they were shutting them down. They were the the, the bottom line was that Matheson um, Bennett couldn't hit the side of a barn for the, for most of the game. I mean, it, it was incredibly frustrating sitting in the stands watching these routes develop and seeing guys getting open. And you just you you know normally when you watch a game live and you see something like that, you're just sitting back waiting for the quarterback to hit the receiver. They're that wide open and it just it just never clicked. Um, you know, things I notice about Stetson, uh, he he just never seems to be completely comfortable all the time back there. It's like he feels like he, he he's got to kind of be constantly in motion. Um, the you know the times when he does set himself, he throws a nice ball, but um, on a lot of occasions, uh, you watch him, he he's constantly sliding around in the pocket. He won't, you know, he won't establish himself in the pocket. He, he'll lean uh, back sometimes to throw the ball. I mean, it's just mechanically, it's just really weird watching him sometimes. Math, Mathis was just rattled. I thought the, the, the two picks he threw were just basically a guy that panicked and, and, and just thought he had to, you know, had, had to try to make a play instead of throwing the ball out of bounds. But I mean, Georgia should have scored, several touchdowns on long passes in that game yeah i, I you sh- yeah you probably have you rewatched the game because on tv it was even more stark uh not i haven't i haven't brought myself up to that point to do that yet i i will but it like i said it, it was just very frustrating as you're sitting there anticipating a big play and then realizing i mean you you could tell when the ball left their hand it wasn't going to get where it needed to go it was just very you know just rough to watch that stuff yeah so what do you think happens the rest of the season? I'm not talking about win loss. I'm just talking about mainly the quarterback. Well, and that, that to me is the, the huge question right now. If, if they are serious about, you know, it's all wide open, we're going to play the best guy and whatever, then I think you got to look hard at what you got and, 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 uh, and see where it goes from there. I'm going to be a little disappointed for, and it could be for any number of reasons, but I, I'm going to be a little bit disappointed if, uh, Mississippi State game rolls up and Stetson's the starter. And I don't mean that as a knock on Stetson. I, I'm, I mean, I can't imagine that Kirby and Munkin are, are that stubborn that they're just going to play him because he's our guy and that's all there is to it. I mean, again, remember, these two guys told Bennett they didn't need to watch him in, in fall practice because they already knew what they had. What that tells me is, though, that they're still not confident that either Mathis or Daniels can start. Or Beck. And, and to me – that's pretty depressing. Yeah, um, what do you think the deal with Beck is? I mean, I, I realize he's he is not getting a lot of talk because you've got a, a a guy that was recruited to Georgia in front of him who started the first game and a five star. But um, is there anything? Is there any reason to think that Beck wouldn't be given a shot too? Uh, you know, I don't know. It'd be, it'd be. I mean, this year you could certainly do that kind of stuff because it doesn't affect redshirting. Um, but you know, here you're talking about a true freshman that didn't get spring didn't get a spring practice. I just assume he's, you know, way behind where everybody else is um, and, and hasn't caught up yet. Um, you know, maybe I'm wrong about that, but uh, that that's just how my, my impression goes on it. 
Yeah, that's probably a fair way of looking at it. And I think I agree with you that I'm going to be, it's going to be interesting and it's going to be hard to fathom if Stetson's the starter. And I, if, honestly, I think the only way, only way you can look at it, if that's the case, is like Daniel just can't go with the leg and they don't trust Mathis to do anything once the game flow gets going. And at that point you're like, oh, okay, well, I guess, I guess this that's is what when it beca- That's when it becomes a throwaway year. <laughs> Dancer, dancer agrees. So, um, <laughs> oh, Mike, as always, it's a pleasure to talk with you, man. I appreciate you taking the time. Um, uh, tell, tell everybody where they can find you, as, as if everyone listening doesn't already know. The name of the blog is Get the Picture. I don't know if I've ever told you the story before, but this is the, the, the funniest thing that I, that I can possibly imagine. When you type in uh, Senator Blutarski into Google, the movie doesn't come up first. My blog does. <laughs> Congratulations, sir. You have arrived. <laughs> that, that's just weird as hell. But yeah, do a Google search on Get the Picture or Senator Blutarski and you'll, you'll find a link to the website. Um, I, I'm, in, I'm in my 14th year. Wow. Yeah, right. I, I mean, you're, you're one of the inspirations I had to start my blog when I moved to Illinois. So, man, I feel like a dinosaur. Appreciate the work you do. Well, Mike, as always, enjoy it. Go dogs. Thank you, Tony. Talk to you later. As always, thank you very much to Michael Brockstein for joining me today. As he said, you can catch up with him at Get the Pictures, the blog, or enter Senator Blutarski. He can be found on Twitter at MummyPole. Um, again, special thanks to Bottle Shop Athens, Northside and Westside, for sponsoring the uh, podcast, as well as SB2 Hospitality. Check out the Pine, I'm sorry, Pine Bar, the uh, Root, Pub on Main, El Barrio, and go by and say hi to, to Scott or any of the guys there. We appreciate it. We hope to be back next week, who knows, and talk about Mississippi State and Georgia. And I'll be joined by Scott and Will. Thank you for listening, and go dogs. Go dogs.